Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. My name is Brandon, uh, lead pastor here. Really glad that you're here. If we've not met yet before, we'd love to meet you after service. A um, couple things real quick, or really one thing. You might have received a uh, piece of paper on your way in as a sample ballot. Um, it is in anticipation of next week's service uh, where uh, all of you who are members here at FCC, you'll have an opportunity to uh, participate in uh, leadership affirmation, uh, give, give your vote on um, these elders and deacons who are up for either reaffirmation or affirmation um, to be the leaders who will take us uh, forward. So uh, please spend some time this week praying uh, over these names and looking at those passages that are referenced there. Uh, next week we'll have one service. Uh, next Sunday is December 26th, which if you didn't notice that, it's one day after Christmas. So we're going to do one service at 11 a.m. So for those of you who come at 11 just come like normal. You know, it's more of a thing for the first service people, but we will have full children's ministry happening that day and all that. But really, we're going to, we're going to look back um, at the year that God has uh, led us through, and we're going to look forward at uh, how we, we are anticipating him to lead us forward next week at the State of FCC service. So we really hope that you'll make plans to be here. For those of you who are members, um, please do be praying over those, um, the sample ballots and the names and come ready. Um, with where you got, you feel God is leading you next week um, for those names. So um, what is true for all of us uh, is, is the case for each one of us in this room and online and really any person you've ever known. Uh, we all need an anchor to cling to. We all need an anchor to connect to in our life. Um, and what is true for us is also true for our back sanctuary wall. I'm going to work in a little building announcement with a sermon illustration, okay? Uh, our back sanctuary wall, uh, if you get our uh, FCC Thrive newsletters, um, a few weeks ago I let you know that we're doing some brickwork uh, on the outside. So you can't really tell on the inside what's happening on the outside. Uh, but that's been going on and uh, because there was some brick that was separating and there's this like real long thing that before it was plugged up, you could see outside like... Me, two months ago, I could see outside in this spot, uh, which is not ideal if you didn't realize that already. Um, so we had to open up the wall, and as you know, when you open up walls, you're just finding stuff, you know? Um, and so what was the case with this back wall um, is it was not anchored to the roof or the other walls. It's just hanging out there, just on its own, just on its own, a little lonely self. And uh, uh, we just didn't want that to continue because, you know, that wouldn't be ideal. Because if that wall, you know, a big bad wolf comes, it could fall down. We don't want that, right? And so we are going to be doing some interior work to um, anchor that into the roof and the other walls and the foundation and a bunch of engineering things that I don't pretend to understand. But we're going to make it to where it's right and not just freestanding, okay? Because a wall needs an anchor to cling to. It needs to be a part of the rest of the building. Amen. Uh, and the, the same is true for the other wall. Um, and we'll talk about that more next week because um, we got some projects that are in need of addressing. But uh, there you go. What, what is true for us is also true for the wall, but it's true for us. What, what we need an anchor to cling to in our lives. Because life is filled with ups and downs, right? 
It's filled with downs where we deal with storms and difficulties and trials and sometimes it feels like the winds and the waves are just hitting us and we feel debilitated and the things that we thought we could count on in those moments seem to not be worthy of being able to count on because we are here drowning in difficulty and we feel like what is there to look to? What can we cling to and hold on to in the midst of difficulties? But what is also true of difficulties is also true when we deal with success. Sometimes... um, Failure is something to deal with, right? That's hard. It's not fun to fail, but you can learn from failure. Some of us, it's, it's harder for a lot of us to deal with success when everything is up and to the right. Up and, and, and everything just seems to be going our way. And we can start to think that, that what is true on the, on the press clippings, the headlines about ourselves is actually true. That we are all that and a bag of chips, right? And some salsa. We, we, we are the thing. We've got it all going on. And it's up to us to be able to continue the success that we can start to believe. That we ourselves, our own goodness, our own ability is enough to cling to because we will figure it out. Um, and for all of us who have lived a little bit of life and have had some experiences, we've all dealt with trying to live life without an anchor that is outside of us. An anchor that is worthy to cling to. Because some of us, um, you know, if, if we all need an anchor, that begs the question, what are uh, you anchored to? What am I anchored to? What do you anchor your life to? Some of us, we, we anchor our, our, our lives to our own goodness. And for those of us who grew up in church, for those of you who grew up in church, this could be um, maybe a, a, a hard one. Because you heard about Jesus, but maybe some of the things that you heard about more of is, is making sure that you live right. Uh, and, and your faith became this rules of do's and don'ts and you've started to believe that as long as i can be good enough then everything will work out and 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 i'll i'll be uh in in a good relationship with god because i'll be good enough and and as long as i can be good enough i'll be a good person and it'll work out but what we find is that uh when we get real honest with ourselves we don't uh, the goodness ah it's on short supply Something's wrong with the supply chain of our own goodness. And some of us, we don't cling to our own goodness because we already know that we aren't that good, but we cling to our ability to handle it, whatever is in front of us. We, uh, to, to be able to find value and worth in our lives, we, we, we cling to this idea that we can handle, we have the ability to handle the problem that's in front of us. And for those of us who are problem solvers, we love this, but there are some problems you can't solve on your own. Some of us, we, we cling to, we are anchored to our work. For those of you who have had moments where you can't do the thing you feel called to, for those of you who have, uh, have retired or are on the verge of it, you're confronted with the fact that uh, by you putting your identity in your work, it's a bad place to have your identity. Because that will not last forever. That what you do is not who you are. Your work is not who you are. But some of us, we anchor to that. That is what gives us value. It's what gives us um, of identity and what gives us worth. And, and it's, a, it's a nasty road that we go down to if we continue to cling to that as an anchor. Some of us, we, we, and this one's a hard one. Some of us, we anchor our lives to our family. 
And this can sound good, right? Because I'm, I'm just trying to love my, love my kids, trying to love my spouse. I'm trying to love my, my brothers and sisters. I'm trying to love my, my, my family, the people who I'm, I'm, I'm related to. I, I, I want to I love them and I'm an anchor to them. And as long as everything is good in the family and, and peaceful, then everything's good in my life. And I feel worth and value. But those of us, uh, we've lived a little bit and we know that this life is finite. Um, we, we find that um, when we put our spouse on the throne of our life, that is way too much pressure that they cannot stand. When we put our, our kids on a throne that we worship, that is, a, that is a place they ought not be. When we put siblings and, and, and family members and, and parents on, on a throne that they do not belong in, we set ourselves up for disaster. And we don't do them any justice either. Some of us, we, we anchor ourselves to a cause, things, something we're fighting, fighting for. And it's good to fight for things that God would want you to fight for. But what I'm going to propose to us today is that um, we need to be anchored to Jesus. The loving God who loves us. But this is in practicality and practice that can sometimes be difficult because we've got all these other things that are offering us something to cling to and hold on to. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Um, and if you have your, your phone, you can turn there. Uh, again, I encourage you to bring something you can reference to um, because the, the passages aren't going to be on the screen the whole time. You can look, go back and look at it. But let me, let me set the scene. Luke chapter 1 uh, is where we're going to be here in a minute. But in this moment in history, uh, first century in, in Israel, uh, this, this young girl named Mary, she, she had an angel of heaven visit her a warrior of god a messenger of god visit her and declare to her that she is going to have the holy spirit come upon her and she's going to become pregnant with child with the messiah that's going to be who's growing in her body problem she's a teenage girl who's betrothed she's engaged to a to a man named joseph and um in jewish culture and in christian culture what scripture teaches is that sex is for a man and a woman in marriage and so for her to be pregnant without doing the deed, uh, she learned enough from her mom and dad that that's not how things, you know, like they, that's not how they go. You know, they have to do the thing to be able to have the baby. Right? So you can imagine the awkwardness for Mary. As she hears this from the angel, the Holy Spirit comes upon her, she starts to become pregnant. She starts to grow. Her bump is coming out and she has to have the conversation with Joseph. Honey, um... I know what it looks like. <laughs> um, it's fine, though, because God did this to me. Y'all realize how absurd that is, right? <laughs> Can you imagine being Joseph? Huh? Like, I'm, I'm going to submit you to the crazy house, Mary, because uh, this don't make no sense. God don't do this. <laughs> but that's what happened. And uh, eventually Joseph came around, and um, so fast forward a little bit. Mary is uh, with child, and it's clear, and everyone's talking. You know, her selfies on Facebook and Instagram had to be at a different angle now, you know, <laughs> to adjust. And uh, she goes and visits uh, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, who is going to be the, the prophet who goes before Jesus to prepare the way for him. And as, she, as Mary visits Elizabeth, 
um, Elizabeth sees uh, Mary and, and she declares to her uh, with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. Uh, oh, she was so in awe of the fact that God was doing such a work in Mary. And because when, when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, uh, Elizabeth, who had John the Baptist in her womb, John the Baptist, who's still in the womb, jumped for joy when Jesus entered the room. Uh, and, and Mary was, was given this, this encouragement by Elizabeth. And in response to that, Mary um, has this song that she says, and Luke records it for us. And I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it. Um, but this is known as Mary's Magnificat. Uh, her, her magnifying the Lord. And, and this is what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Uh, and Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one, has done great things for me, and his name is holy. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. What I hope that we can see in this is Mary's picture and model of humility and dependency on God. This young girl has so much spiritual maturity. She sees herself as this humble servant of the Lord. Like, think about this. I would argue that uh, outside of Jesus, this is, Mary has had the, the most amazing miracle and responsibility done to her and, and, and given to her by God in, in history. She was given the op opportunity, the privilege, the honor, the, the responsibility to be pregnant with Jesus, to raise him, not just to just give birth to him, but to raise him. Y'all, like, think about this. The Messiah, and by the way, Mary, did you know? He, she knew. She knew. Um, Mary knew, and what she knew was that she was given this amazing responsibility by God, and she didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. God gave this to her, and, and so like, what would be so easy for Mary is for her to have this moment where like, all of us would be tempted for this. We would be tempted to think, huh, God, God, out of everyone who could have been chosen, God chose me to do this. She could have easily have gotten prideful, easily have gotten, gotten this, this perspective that, oh, it's because I'm such an awesome person. It's because I'm such an awesome human being. It's because I'm so awesome that, I, that God chose me of all the other people. But that's not where she goes. That's not where she goes. Instead, what she does is she points to the greatness and glory of God. She elevates God and she lowers herself. This was a young girl who was poor, who did not have a lot of things going for her. And yet what we see here is, a, is a, an immense level of humility and dependency on God. Because she realized that she didn't have much to offer, but what she did do is she anchored herself to the Lord. She anchored herself. Like in all the other things that she could have anchored herself to, 
She anchored herself to the Lord. This passage that we're reading today in Luke 1, it is filled with Old Testament allusions. If you have a Bible that has cross-references, I encourage you to check it. If you have the Bible app, you can turn that little, little function on. It is filled. She knew the Word. She knew her God. She knew who she was talking to. She was in the Scriptures. She was knowledgeable of who God was. And she is using that knowledge not to puff herself up, but to bring glory and praise to the God who did a mighty work in her. What does she, say? What does she call herself? She, she calls herself a servant of God. The humble condition of the servant, that is who she's referring to as herself. And in the process, she is pointing to the goodness and greatness of God. You see, what this shows me, y'all, think, think about this. This is what she says about God. The greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked at with favor. Surely all generations, because of what God has done, will call me blessed. He's the mighty one. He is holy. What, what, what Mary shows me, young people listen. Those of you who are not, not young, uh, you wouldn't call yourself that. And according to TikTok, I'm not young anymore, so there you go. Um, but um, think about this, young people. Never. This is what Paul said to Timothy. Never look anyone, never let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for everyone in how you follow Jesus. That's Brandon's translation. Brandon's. This is what Mary shows me. Spiritual maturity is not connected to age. Somebody needs an amen. Because some people, you've met them, are 50 years old and they're still babies in the faith. Mary shows me that she's a teenage girl and she has the level of spiritual maturity to where she knows God, she's in communion with God, she knows God, she's anchored to Him for her thoughts and her emotions and her plans and her future. And she, upon all the other things that she could anchor her life to, she's anchored to to Him and that draws her closer to God in humility to where she goes down and recognizes the greatness of God in the face of who she is, because she doesn't. She's not worthy. See, some of us, we've been, we've been in church for a long time, but for some reason we've not grown in our faith because we're still prideful, we're still arrogant, we're still acting like we've got it all going on, or that it's up to us to earn our salvation. And Mary identifies God as her Savior. Those of you who have young people in your life, make sure you encourage them in this. God is not waiting for them to reach adulthood for them to be used by God. God sees you and he equips you right now to be used for him right now. Right now. And for those of you who are older and you're still just getting, getting going in your faith, that's okay. God meets you right where you are. God met me at 20 and called me to himself. And then all I had to do is just say yes and start following him. Spiritual maturity is not connected to age. See, wisdom can come with years and experience. Can. It can come with it when we learn from our experiences. And we're hungry to grow. Have you been hungry to grow? Mary shows us what it looks like to be in in communion with God and to, to be able to see the truth of who he is. Let's, let's look at this again. I just want to, if you got it in front of you, Luke 1, verse 46, it's not going to be on the screen, but just let's dig in. That's why I want you to bring, bring the word with you. 
Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. What I want you to see is what Mary did to earn what God did for her. Did you catch it? Did you see it? My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of a servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. Do you see what she did to earn it? Do you see how she acquired it? No, you don't. You don't see what she did to earn it, because she didn't earn it. She didn't earn this. You see what she calls God? God my Savior. God my Savior. Y'all, in the church, we've, we've started to believe that, that for some reason, we've got we've to make sure that we are good enough to get to God. And it's, it's especially bad in this time of day, in this season of life. Because we are in this time where we point to Jesus and it's Christmas and parents who've got kids in here, I'm sorry, not sorry, but what, what we start to do is we've got, on one hand, we've got Jesus and his grace, and on the other hand, we've got Santa Claus and his nice and naughty list. And some of us as Christians, we've started to worship God as if he's Santa. And we've started to say, oh yeah, I hope I've done enough good things to be on the nice list with him. I hope that I've, I've done enough good things and I, I didn't do enough bad things to be on the naughty list with God. We've started to think that that's how God reacts. That's how God operates. That is not true. Mary didn't do anything to earn what God had done for her. She didn't get to be on the nice list because guess what? Ain't nobody on it. Ain't nobody on it. We all deserve coal in hell. But what we see is God loving her so very much that even though she didn't deserve it, he still decided to be her savior. And to be able to give her an opportunity to be used by him in such a way that would bless the whole entire universe. That every person who would ever live would be able to benefit from the fact that she was faithful in her calling. She didn't earn it and you can't earn your salvation. So stop acting as if it's up to you. It's so easy for us to believe this. This is how we were raised. Like we were raised to like... We, we do right things, we get celebrated. We do wrong things, we get consequences. Right? It's just, we gotta do that for our kids. We gotta teach them right and wrong, right? But at the same time, we've got to introduce them to the God of grace because He operates in such a different way. He doesn't ignore what we've done, but He deals with it and He gives us what we don't deserve grace and mercy, and He showers it upon us so that we could be finally in loving communion with Him. This is what Mary is showing us, the love of God. And y'all, I know that you have heard this if you've been in church for a minute. But what we all need is not necessarily new revelation. We need to be reminded of what has been revealed in Jesus. We need to be reminded of the truth. That God looked at you and he sees everything about you. He knows you deeper than you know you. And I know you know yourself. And I know that there are moments where you, you lay awake at night just trying to, trying to figure out why you do what you do. 
There are things that you've done in your life that you regret and they sometimes still, still come up in the present and, and, and things that have been done to you and they come up in the present. They, they get in the way and, and you start to get frustrated and you start getting frustrated with yourself and you start to look at yourself like, why would anyone love me? But the truth is, is that God sees everything about you. He knows all the stuff and he still pursues you. He still gives you the opportunity to call him Savior. And that is good news. See, we need to be reminded of it. And this is why one of the things I started doing uh, with, with my kids, because I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, y'all. I, I didn't have this stuff like modeled for me and taught to me at an early age. I don't know what. I'm just, we're flying the plane as we, uh, we're, we're building the plane as we fly it, y'all. It's dangerous. It's, it's, it's real life out here, trying to lead our kids to, to know who God is. And, and one of the things that I started doing as I get the kids to bed is I want, to, I want them to understand um, what is true about them and what is true about God and how he relates to them. I want them to not just know it in their hearts, but I want them to know it in their bones. Because they're in, they're in school and they're going to they're gonna be confronted with all these ideas, all these perspectives, all these different, different ways of thinking that they're going to be confronted with. And I want them to know deep down in their very soul. And they're going to be doing things. They're going to sin. They're going to mess up. And I want them to be assured of who God says they are and how God looks at them so deeply in their bones that they'll never, never doubt it. That maybe they'll have moments where they struggle, but maybe they'll come right back. And so what I started to do, I just tell them five things before I put them to bed and, and pray over them. You are, you are beautiful. You are handsome. I got boys and girls. You are beautiful. The girls. You are handsome. You are brave. Because how many of y'all know that it takes courage to follow Jesus? You are, you are beautiful. You are handsome. You are brave. You love God. And I love you. And always remember that God always loves you. I want them to know that they cannot do anything ever that would cause me to love them less. I want them to know that, that they cannot do anything that would cause God to love them less. I want them to know that they don't have to earn this love that I have for them. I want them to know that, that they can't earn the love that God has for them because it's from Him flowing to them that they are Beautiful and wonderfully made, and they are loved by the one who made them. We all need to be reminded of the truth of what God says about us. And when we get into the word, when we get into the scriptures, we are confronted with those truths time and time again. That's why we need to be in communion with our Lord. Be praying with him. Because, y'all, it's, it's life out there. It, it, it's happening. Some of y'all feel real beat down right now. You feel tired. You feel exhausted. Because life is happening to you. But in the midst of that, are you going to the God who gets to call himself your savior because of what he's done for you? See, the message Mary sees for herself in this should be the message we see for ourselves in this, that God is mighty, that God has blessed us, and it's through him being our savior that we get to be called blessed. And she goes on, she says this in verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. 
See, I want you to not miss this, that God has been doing this for a long time. He's been working toward this for a very long time. You are part of a long line of people who over the centuries have followed after Jesus and have followed after God and have dealt with the things you deal with, have struggled with the things you struggle with, who have struggled to find peace in the midst of this world, who have struggled to find solitude in the midst of this world, who have struggled to experience the love uh, in this world that is available to them through Jesus, who have struggled to experience joy because life will beat them down and they they experience that. And, And many and many and many and millions and billions of people who have gone before you have gotten to the end of the road and gotten to the end of their life and said it was worth it it was worth it it was worth it it's worth following after him you are not this is this is not a moment in history that god didn't see coming it's not a moment in history is just completely divorced from everything else he's been working and he's still working in you Trust him as you go through it. And I love what, what, what she does, what Mary does in this. This is what she says in this passage, that the proud through Jesus, the proud are humbled, the, the oppressors are corrected, the oppressed are rescued, the mighty are toppled, the lowly are exalted, the hungry are satisfied, the rich are emptied, his people are helped. That's what she says is coming. And what she says in this is she's speaking of future things as if they've already happened with the confidence of something that's already happened in the past. She's prophesying what Jesus is going to do as if it's already happened. The confidence she has in that little baby that she's growing inside of her womb is amazing. This is what Jesus is doing. He's going to right every wrong. And, and this, is, this is why it's so amazing when we get to see Jesus on the move. Because what, what does it say? That the mighty are toppled. How many times have we heard about or you've seen or maybe you are the person. You, you saw yourself as a mighty. You, you kind of struggle with arrogance, maybe a little narcissism, a little pride. And, and you thought to yourself, I've got it going on. I am all that. Yes, I am. And then what did Jesus do? What has he been doing your whole life if you struggle with that? He has been bringing you down to an appropriate size that is good for you so that you could see that he is the one on the throne, that you don't get to live on the throne, that he's got it. You don't have to deal with it. He's got to work through it. He's going to work through you. This is what Jesus does. For those who are, are, are uh, poor and, 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 and oppressed, Jesus is the one who's going to equip his people to bring those people up. To, to help them where they need help. To stick up for those who have no ability to fight for themselves. That's who we are as a church, y'all. That's who we are called to be. Jesus is rising up his own people who, in, in, in this, he's dealing with their own stuff and he's bringing them to appropriate size. He's bringing them down to where he wants them so that all of us can come before God humbly and dependent. Not as if we've got it all going on, that we earned it, that we could, that we even deserve it but so that we can come before our God and we can humbly depend on His grace and mercy for us. How many of us have struggled with some of these things where our tendencies are to go one way? Maybe we, we, we see ourselves as so lowly, as so minuscule. We, we don't see ourselves as being able to do anything worthy of note. We would be able to be used by God. No, that's not us. That's not us. That's not who I am. And yet what we see is God working in your life, continuing to prod you and bring you up to a point where you can see, hey, it's not because of your own goodness or your own ability, because it's the Holy Spirit working in you that you can do this. So he he comes to the people who are meek and the mild-mannered, and he says, hey, I'm going to bring you up because you are worthy 
to be my son, worthy to be my daughter, and you are worthy to be used by you because I've given you a gift to use for people's good and for my glory. People who are arrogant and think they've got it all, he's bringing them lower, growing in them, hum- in them humility and dependency on him. This is what God does, and it's, it's only by his power that this can be done. It's only by his power that mighty people can be toppled, that the pride be, prideful be, be spread. It's only by him that oppressors can can get to a point where they were the ones hurting people. And because they met Jesus, they now are the ones who are now going and helping people. This is the story of Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. Homie was going around the church and trying to put them all in prison or kill them. He didn't care whichever one it was. It doesn't matter. And Jesus appeared to him and humbled him. And then he used him for his purposes. Maybe you were someone who was rough around the edges and and God saw you and he called you to go down to your knees and surrender to him and he's been using you ever since. That's what Jesus does and that's what Mary was seeing happen in the future. So what is the message in all of this? The message in all of this is for all of us. The arrival of Jesus is the ultimate act of love. It's the ultimate act of God's love for you. And y'all, the enemy wants you to believe that this act of love, that Jesus coming, was for everyone else except for you. But he knows everything about you. And he decided to enter into this mess called humanity for you. Because he loves you. This is, this is crazy, y'all. Like, the second member of the Trinity co-eternal with God the Father and God the Spirit. Who, who created, all, everything was created by Him, through Him, for Him, and to Him. Everything was created by Jesus' own power. And He decided to leave heavenly glory, to leave the heavenly throne room, to come down to put flesh on to dwell among us. He humbled Himself. Y'all, He humbled Himself as a baby. As a little baby growing in her womb, Mary had to wipe his bottom. And he created everything. How humiliating. He had to be taught to, to, to eat. He had to get food mashed up. He had, to, he had to have people help him walk. He had to have people help him talk. This is God we're talking about. Humbling himself as a baby. This is crazy. And yet he did it. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he leave and come down to this mess that we've made? Because he loves you. You've made yourself his enemy and yet he said, I'm going to go and pursue you. I'm going to go behind enemy lines. I'm going to grow up as one of you, living like none of you can. Perfect. I'm going to go to the cross to deal with your sins, your sins in the past that continue to haunt you. Your sins in the present you're fighting against and your sins in the future that are coming. He said, I'm going to take it all on me so you can walk in freedom, be rescued from the bondage you've been walking in. And I'm going to rise again so that you can have life and have it for eternity. You know, God doing this, the incarnation, this thing that we celebrate in Christmas should boggle our minds because God decided to come down. For you. For you. Little old you.
And Jesus loves you. So what do you anchor your life to? What, what, do, you, what do you cling to in this life? This is what I'm going to propose. Anchor, anchor your life to this. The arrival of Jesus is proof of God's loving pursuit of you. Anchor your life to that truth. That the arrival of Jesus is proof of God's loving pursuit of you. Never forget it. Never get it twisted. He sees you. He loves you. He knows everything about you. And he still is pursuing you. You don't have to run away from him. He's not going to fail you. 1 John 4.10 The Apostle John writes this. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love consists in this. What is love? Don't hurt me. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you want to know what love is, look to Jesus. If you want to know what it looks like to be loved, dwell with Jesus in your life. Y'all, God isn't going to fail you. I know the track record of your life has showed you that all kinds of things can fail you. You can fail you. You're making up new ways to fail you every single moment of the day, right? You've got moments. Same as for me, but God isn't going to fail you. Anchor your life not to your own goodness, not to your work, not to your family, not to in your own ability to handle it. Anchor your life to this. The arrival of Jesus is proof of God's loving pursuit of you he loves you dwell on that because i know it's hard to believe but it's true church would you stand we're going to pray king jesus we love you we thank you for uh, uh, boggling our minds we we don't understand why you would you would come down we don't get it I, I'm sure I can speak for everyone that we would all admit that if we were uh, in your shoes, uh, we wouldn't do it. To face eternal suffering, eternal wrath for all of mankind who have not given you any reason to, to love them, but you loved us so much that you did it. We're amazed, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for showing us that even in our worst moments, we're not any less loved by you. In our best moments, you still love us all the same in an, an infinite kind of way. It's, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. God, help us to see that and hear that and receive it and to live as if that is reality because it is. We need your help, Lord. And God, help us to, in the midst of as we anticipate Christmas on December 25th, God, help us to dwell on the fact that we celebrate it because you love us. You are good, Lord. Hear us as we sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.